The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached, they have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money, and their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. I've always loved this first reading from the prophet Amos because I find it so easy to identify with the response Amos gives to Amaziah's accusatory and insulting words, telling him that he doesn't belong and to take his prophetic message and hit the road. Amos is like, wait a minute, I never asked to be a prophet. I never trained to be a prophet. I never hung out with prophets. I was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores. By the way, a Palestinian sycamore is a kind of a wannabe fig, and its fruit grows in a husk that needs to be pierced or dressed to allow it to ripen. The job of a sycamore dresser would be considered an inferior job working on an inferior fruit. The fact that the scripture has him specifying this type of work somehow really drives home the point. Basically, Amos is saying two things in his response. First of all, don't bother trying to complain to me about my work because I never asked for this job and never claimed to be any good at it, at least by your standards. Secondly, he is saying, if you have a complaint, take it up with my boss, the Lord God, because I am here for one reason and one reason only, because he sent me. In some ways, it is easy to understand why Amaziah is taking the heat with Amos. The prophet had been sharing a number of words of impending punishment on the northern Israel kingdom because of its unfaithfulness to God's covenant. Words that people didn't want to hear. But of course, the rejection of God's message isn't limited to the Old Testament, as the gospel shows in Jesus' instructions to the apostles. Whatever place that does not welcome you or does not listen to you, leave there and shake the dust from your feet. So it's not just the doom and gloom message of Amos that gets rejected, but also the apostles' message of repentance, accompanied by healings and exorcisms, that is also unwelcomed by some who hear it. So since we too, by virtue of our baptism, are called to be priests, prophets, and kings, how are we not to get discouraged when we feel beaten down and rejected by the world in our efforts to live faithful lives? It is easy as we fight the seemingly uphill battle of the true Christian in today's world to feel like it's an unwinnable task, that maintaining and growing our own faith is tough enough, let alone evangelizing and sharing our faith with others who seem so uninterested in God and disinclined to hear and receive his message of love, repentance, and conversion. 
But I am here to tell you there is great consolation for believers, and it is to be found hiding in plain sight. For it is in the words of the creeds, both the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed, that we recite every Sunday, and many of us recite every day, either in praying the Rosary or the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Conveniently, for the sake of this homily, these words of consolation are echoed and underscored in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that we read today as well. For in the beginning of the creeds, we proclaim that we believe in God, the Creator, Maker of heaven and earth. Now, it's easy for us to pass right over those words as we pray those prayers and miss their significance, but I promise you there is a great consolation and encouragement in those few words here for us today. You see, surrounded by all of this worldly input about how it all began, it is easy for us to overlook the huge impact of those words on our daily outlook. God created heaven and earth. All that is seen and unseen, including us, of course. God wasn't out walking around the universe one day following the Big Bang and just happened to stumble on this pretty blue and green planet. He didn't say, oh, what have we here, a planet, and oh, look, there's people living on it. I think I will subtly make them aware of my presence and see if they want to interact with me. No. He created our entire existence, us and the world in which we live, for the purpose of our being in relationship with Him, and that relationship ending with our spending eternal life with Him in heaven. It is easy when we run into challenges and difficulties to turn to God as a resource for help in getting over or around them, and that He certainly is. However, we can forget that we aren't here in this world full of challenges by accident, but by God's design. And the challenges and difficulties that we face oftentimes can appear so beyond our ability to deal with on our own might be precisely so that we are moved to turn away from a life on our own and move toward a life directed by, committed to, guided and ruled by that same Creator. That divine, three-person, supreme being who created this world as a place for us to flourish in spite of our struggles, because we are intimately connected to, in Jesus' words, one with the Father and the Son, not by chance, but by design. As Paul says, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him, destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, so that we might exist for the praise of his glory. God, our loving Father, loved us so much that he sent his only Son, who willingly died to redeem us, and there can be no question that he desires our salvation. Is it not comforting, then, to realize that this loving, merciful Creator is the one behind who we are, what we are, and where we are. If He desires our salvation and controls our very existence, then it is without a doubt a design in which we can truly succeed if only we embrace the designer and reject the temptations that are an inherent part of the design. 
You know, I am a great one for opening a new product, tool, or appliance and forging ahead with trying to make it work without reading the instructions. I know some of you share this weakness of mine. It's okay, ladies, if I'm talking about your husband, you can point to him. I know that my wife Mary is pointing at me back in Indiana. You know, I rip open the box and immediately try to assemble or operate something only to find out after several minutes that I can't make it work. Only after usually several more minutes of trying to figure it out, well, I then consult the directions, only to find that there is some basic first move that I missed that makes everything operate the way it should and infinitely easier. Who would have thought that the people who designed and manufactured the product would actually know the best way to operate it to achieve the desired results? What a concept. Well, folks, God is the creator of heaven and earth and all the people on it. So maybe we should consider consulting the instruction manual he wrote in terms of how this world is supposed to work. And we do have a manual, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, or Bible for short. And we Catholics also have a 24-hour round-the-world support network headquartered in Rome called The Church. These are both available to be consulted on many aspects of our operation. But the first and foremost step in both is to put God first in our lives. If we were created and placed in God's creation for the purpose of relating to God, our Creator, then putting our relationship with God above everything else is the first and only action upon which a successful existence depends. But let me caution you that just like many other assembly efforts I have messed up, when you try to assemble or use a tool or piece of equipment, the parts used in the assembly or operation must be fully engaged. Because a partially engaged part that is not fully seated in the assembly will lead to the structure coming apart and collapsing under stress. It is no different in our relationship with God. If we are to put Him first, then we must be fully engaged, not just going through the motions or giving lip service to the relationship. The great news is is that there is a hotline to help us with all these challenges. It's called prayer. And the one who answers, knows, and understands our language. He will always take our call and never put us on hold. The more we admit our mistakes and express our need for help, the more he empowers us to overcome our weaknesses and provides whatever support we need. We are God, our loving Father's creation, living in his creation. And this is terrific news. For that means that this isn't by chance, and our efforts are not meant to end in futility, in disappointment, in condemnation. Our efforts are meant, are designed, are set up for us to succeed if we choose to do so by embracing the relationship we were created to share and not rejecting it by choosing to go it alone. As it said in the psalm, Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. For questions or comments on this homily, 
write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.